Arizona Sports, Sports. the The local sports leader, leader. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. The midway points of today's show, the 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We get you caught up on everything going on in sports. This is where you come. One-stop shopping right here. Everything you need right here. One spot. 4 o'clock reset. Start with the Arizona Cardinals coaching search. Obviously, no new concrete news when it comes to that, but certainly still plenty of reports of interviews and conversations and whatnot. Let's get everybody caught up on this. According to Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan has an interview with Arizona today. We expected that one. According to Josina Anderson, Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn could get a second look for the gig as well, whether that is informal or formal, we're not sure. And then according to the San Francisco Chronicle's Mike Silver, the 49ers could have interest in replacing D'Amico Ryans with current Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, though in that report, Silver also points out that Vance Joseph is still a viable, his word, not mine, viable candidate to be the next coach of the Cardinals. A lot of stuff out there to kind of dissect right now, Gambo. Yeah, and 49ers have been in on Vance several times, 2015, 2017. They liked him as a defensive coordinator in 2015. They, they interviewed him for a head coach in 2017. He ended up getting the Broncos job. Uh, but So they've had their eyes on Vance several times, so that does make some sense. Obviously with Fangio going to Miami, and I thought Fangio may go back to the 49ers, but if he truly is going to Miami, then Vance to San Francisco would make sense if he is not going to be the head coach here. Yeah, um, it, 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 interesting that, that Vance is still being labeled a viable candidate to be the next head coach. I don't deny that or doubt it. It's just that we, we haven't heard a whole lot about Vance until now. The other thing to consider, too, and, and this is something that Albert Breer points out in one of his tweets, today was Callahan's first interview with the Cardinals. Arizona, in his words, has not had and may not have a second round of interviews. Now, Dan Quinn got a second one, but that was only because the first one was over a Zoom call for like 45 minutes or an hour. Um, they, they've really only done first interviews. I read today the Colts Gambo might do a third round of interviews for the ones that they really like. That they wow. take, a li- take a list, pare it down, pare it down again, and do a third round of interviews for their head coach. Doesn't that job. tell you that they may not know what the heck they're doing? Or Who gets a third round of interviews? Honestly, or that there's some yeah. real division within that organization over who yeah. hire. That's kind of what that time is. Have a, I always have a difficult time with that because, as you know, I've never had a job interview in my life. <laughs> it's true. I know. Eric's laughing. It's true. Eric's laughing right now. Laura, I've never had a job interview. Not yep. once in my life did I ever have a job interview. Yeah, the only reason why you're a talk show host is all your mob buddies basically threatened everybody in Arizona radio. They did not. And they because- did not. They think somebody saw some talent here. So this guy says a future potential. I mean, I, you got potential and you got potential. Yes, no, I've never had a job interview. I never sat down across from somebody and they asked me questions about you know, whether I wanted to take the job. And I've never had a job interview. Well, you're you have potential. You have... Oh, boy. When you're affiliated with the mafia, you don't need job interviews. You know, doors just kind of magically open. 
So I've heard anyway. Damn, I was trying to think that maybe I had some talent. (laughs) (laughs) And you're saying everybody thought I was there. We're going to get whacked. (laughs) So I better hire him. Uh, Better hire him. I don't want what his uncle is. End up sleeping next to a horse's head or something like that, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe Uncle Carmine Persico made some calls before I got jobs. Said, may want to hire this kid. Maybe. No, you are the very rare exception to have gotten as far in life as you have with never having had a job interview. I can assure you, job interviews are no fun. For the Suns, last night, maybe their worst loss of the season. The trouble is that we've got about a half dozen of games just like last night to kind of compare it to. It's been sort of that not be the worst? Uh, It's got to be one of them, certainly, if if not the worst. They lost at home to the Hawks, 132-100. to After the game, Monty Williams acknowledged they are trying to keep Cam Johnson on a little bit of a pitch count out there. We're trying our best to just manage his minutes. You know, it's it's tough on him. It's hard to get a rhythm. Um, There's a a minute cap that we try to stay... um, close to and you know I'm not I'm not I'm not a fan of it because I think it it hurts the player but you have to do it um, to try to build for the long haul and so there have been games this year where I kind of pushed him a little too much tonight was one of those games that we tried I tried to manage his minutes and I think I hurt him in that regard I, I would tell everybody when Devin Booker comes back be ready for the same thing it's going to be the same yeah. thing with Devin Booker well lose by 80 be. lose by 80 you can manage everybody's minutes it's real well when you lose by that much. <laughs> That's true. It does help. You don't have to play the second half. Forget about the fourth quarter. You don't even need to play the second half. Now, next up for the Suns, they start a five-game road trip Friday against the Boston Celtics. Devin Booker, it was reported today by Adrian Wojnarowski that the Nets game, Tuesday of next week, the one being kind of circled as for a potential return for Book, and that very much fits in with the reporting Gambo's had the last couple of days about a five-day ramp-up yes. for Devin Booker. It would seem to think that the, the Nets game is the is the day. Yeah, and the ramp-up is something that's very important to them to make sure that when they get him back, they get him back and there's not going to be any issues. So they'll they'll test him over five days, they'll work with him over five days, and that way when he does come back and play, they don't have any fear that he's going to re-injure it, re-aggravate it. One other thing about the Phoenix Suns, and this is new to the 4 o'clock reset, we just got alerted to this story on our website at ArizonaSports.com. A story from TSN's Josh Lewinberg that was published today includes a very interesting tidbit about the Toronto Raptors and DeAndre Ayton. Quote, Toronto was close to acquiring DeAndre Ayton from Phoenix in a sign-and-trade last summer, according to a source. Perhaps there's a deal to be made with the Suns, who are said to be one of OG Ananobi's many suitors. Close quote. I wonder. I'll I'll double-check on that. Um... I don't know that that's... I'll find out. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about that this real soon. Give me a few minutes. Let me see what I can find out about that. I mean, I was... I was really up on the DeAndre Ayton stuff throughout the entire summer, that Indiana was going to sign him to the offer sheet, that there was going to be a sign-and-trade, that the Nets had no interest. I don't remember what my reporting was on Toronto and whether they had interest or not, so I'll go back and take a look. They've always been kind of linked to DeAndre Ayton one way or another. Um, you, you know, again, the Toronto Raptors and the Phoenix Suns are going to be linked quite a bit over the next week. Trade deadline's one week from today. We all better get ready for a lot of Toronto Suns kind of linkage. But I, I know whether there was a sign- 
sign and trade, you know, on the verge of happening or not, it's always been at least rumored that Toronto was interested in DeAndre Eaton. That's always been part yes, of the conversation. Yes, they have been interested in centers because they've lost theirs over the years. So yeah. they have been interested in centers. I, I'll try to see what I can find out and dig up on my old reporting on that. All right, college basketball tonight. Big night in men's college yes. basketball locally. Number five, U of A takes on Oregon at 8.30. More on that in a moment. ASU hosts Oregon State tonight in what is virtually a must-win game for ASU. That one tips off at 6 o'clock here on the Arizona Sports app and on 98.7. ASU, basically, according to all the bracketologists on the outside looking in right now, of the field of 64, they've got some work to do, Gambo. Yeah, no question. And we've talked we've talked about the ending with UCLA, USC, and U of A all on the road. Listen, I'll take it another step further. I've seen that you know Bobby Hurley might be one of those coaches on the hot seat right now with some of the struggles that they've had, you know, because they got off to such a good start and now they're not playing well and they're losing all these games and they might not make the tournament and they've got the they don't have any really good like non-conference wins and they've got a couple of bad losses and so that's something that was pretty interesting that Bobby Hurley might be on a hot seat if that team does not get to the NCAA tournament. Okay, that's a 6 o'clock tip time here on Arizona Sports. Now as far as the Wildcats are concerned, they Let's take go. the Ducks at 8.30 and this has always been a bit of a kryptonite game for U of A and these Wait. two teams are kind of expected to be the centerpiece of the conference when UCLA leaves for the Big Ten. This might be the new big rivalry in the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. Since Dana Altman's second season at Oregon, that was in 2011-2012, the Wildcats are just 7-14 and against the Ducks. And only 4-5 and against Oregon and McHale. They're 4-5 and against Oregon and McHale. So you look at that and you say, okay, at one point, up until the win last year, the Ducks had won three straight games in McHale. You know how hard it is to win in McHale? It's one of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball. And Oregon has had some real success there. So real interested in watching this game tonight and seeing if Arizona can take care of the Ducks. Yeah, and obviously ASU, going back to them for just a second, wins tonight against Oregon State. That game this weekend against Oregon becomes big, 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 because those are basically two bubble teams that will be playing each other, or potential bubble teams that will be playing each other. So again, that game coming up tonight here on the Burns and Gambo show, right after the Burns and Gambo show. When we come back here, on Burns and Gambo. We'll turn our attention back to the Phoenix Suns. Blown out last night by the Atlanta Hawks. Is that the last time that we're going to see some of those players on that floor as members of the Phoenix Suns? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Rough night for the Phoenix Suns last night as we welcome you back to the Burns and Gambo show. A 32-point loss at home to yeah. the Atlanta Hawks. Gambo, for whatever reason, was still taking notes halfway through the fourth quarter of that game. It was, yeah. It's free Chick-fil-A. I didn't know that. I was just like, hey, everybody got excited when he missed two free throws. Like, free Chick-fil-A. I'm like, okay. Well, I don't know what you get. What do you get? A chicken sandwich? Does everybody know what you get? A chicken get? sandwich. Yeah, I think you get a Man, chicken sandwich. Man, that's pretty good. Yeah, it sounds good. Chick-fil-A is wonderful. Oh, my I, God. I, it's I the just, best. For your own sanity, I, I think you could have turned that game off yeah. a little sooner if you want. I, d- I don't know if our audience really desperately needed your notes from the fourth quarter of that game. I mean, I'm not exactly 
exactly sure. Seriously, like I, I worked hard for that. Oh, I'm sure you did, but yeah. but like did, did so I we... can tell you, I can tell you, I just got third quarter. It got it got worse. Uh, twenty, it got to twenty six on a Murray three pointer, twenty nine on a Capella putback. It got to thirty one on a Collins bank shot. Chris Paul three fifty nine left to hit his first basket of the game, a mid range jumper in traffic. Then it got to thirty two on a Trey three pointer, thirty five when Bogdanovich right, hit a three. All right, all right. Well, I mean, you see the point here. I just like I just, it, got, it was almost like I do see the point. You're, you're a workaholic. Like, yeah. I see the point. You're a workaholic. That that's the point I'm seeing here. It's almost like it? you know, but you, 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 when you when you used to have a kid hit himself, you know, like why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? That's what I. That's what the Hawks were doing to the Suns last night. You get on top of somebody, you grab both their fists, and you start. You, and you, why are you hitting yourself? Why why are you punching yourself in the face? And you're actually punching them in the face, but you you've got their wrists, and you're you're kind of hitting them. And that, that's what the Hawks were doing to the Suns last night. Like why you keep hitting yourself? It was a brutal, brutal loss by Phoenix. It was, it was almost like, and I was watching it because I was like, how high could it go? Because, you know, in the second, it was 26-23 and then Atlanta pulled away. They had a 22-3 run. So let's be, for all intent and purposes, Bernsey, this game was over at halftime. It was a 22-3 run. They're up by 22 points. Part of that was actually a 15-0 run. You could have left or stopped watching at this at the end of the second quarter. The Suns were not going to come back. Cambo, news flash. Yeah. I did. I did stop watching at halftime. What'd you do? I did walk away from Yes, yeah, you, you could like have, have. I did. You like have friends and stuff. I don't. Uh, yeah, that's true. Like, what'd you do? Like what did you do when you walked away? What what uh what'd I, you do? Well it was a late starting game. I went to bed. What's sleep? I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of done. There's, no, there's nothing else I need to learn from this game other than the whole Chick-fil-A thing. It does. I, I don't know what the answer to this question is. This has not been the only time this has happened this year to the Phoenix Suns. And, and I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, in terms of point margin, yeah, it's the worst loss they've suffered this year, 32. Man, they lost by 30 to Memphis. At one point, they lost by 19 to Dallas. They lost by 29 to the Nuggets, 27 to the Celtics, 25 to the Memphis Grizzlies. Gamble, I'm counting at least a half dozen games this year so far where oh they lost by 25 to the Washington Wizards that was a bad one oh that was horrible right like that okay that's at least seven games that i just counted there right but how were many guys they were they got... missing in each of those games i mean well, how many a, guys a bunch of guys but it's still but that's they weren't missing a bunch of guys last night they're still missing devin booker but this was a team that was starting to kind of crawl back to Competitiveness and respectability, and All right, let's I, go for let's go for a theme here. Okay, let, what did the Suns shoot last night from three point range? Uh, I don't have the number in front. I can of me, give but... it to you. I'll, I'll give it to you. Like this will take me uh, like literally two seconds. The Suns last night were four for twenty eight from three point range. They shot fourteen point three percent. Okay, fourteen point three percent. I know in the loss to the Knicks when they lost to the Knicks earlier, they were brutal uh, from three point range. So in that game, the Suns were ten for thirty seven, twenty seven percent, really bad. I, I think the theme would be that if you go look at the blowout losses, give me another one. Just give me any other blowout loss. Uh, the, the Memphis bl- game. The the Memphis game on Monday, January sixteenth. Okay, the Memphis MLK game. Day. They were ten for thirty three from three point range. 
So, like, I think that a theme, a lot of this is they take when you when they're not hitting their three pointers, they kind of they're going to lose by a lot. Denver when they lost one twenty six to ninety seven, twenty eight percent nine for thirty two in the loss to Denver, nine for thirty two from three point range. So, I think the theme is, and this is just the NBA these days. Like, if you don't hit three point shots, you're not going to be competitive. Like, you're just not going to be competitive in most of these games. And Atlanta was hitting everything last night, and the Suns weren't. Cambo, mm-hmm. you are a certified genius. So I just did really? a quick search of the Sun schedule this year. Yeah. And I organized their games by the three-point percentage in which the Suns shot. Yeah. You know, and, and I did it in inverse order, so I'm looking at the worst games first. Um, well, look at the Celtics game. They lost by 27 to the Celtics. They were 8 for 32 from three-point yeah, range. they shot 25%. That Whoa. was the third worst three-point shooting percentage they've had. Right, hold on. You said I'm a genius. Year. Well, I don't know why I stopped that. Well, let's go back to that. I mean, I don't, nobody's ever said that about me. So uh, Honestly, because I, mean, I don't you, know why. I actually interrupted the fact that you said you're I was incapable a of not interrupting me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like something in your you just you can't not interrupt me. It's just you, it's something you feel every single time. Of the okay, I'm looking at their worst three point shooting percentages of the season. The only time they won was when they beat the Pistons when they shot 24 percent from the three point line. Every other time when they were that bad, and, and of course last night was the very worst. That's the very worst three point shooting percentage they've had all year. But yeah, it's just loss. Boston loss, Houston loss, Memphis loss, Miami loss, the Knicks loss that you mentioned. All when they shot really, really poorly from the three-point line. So, it's look, it's easy to to write it off. It's a, it's, it's a bad loss. Okay, it happens. They've been missing a bunch of guys. I, I guess the broader point I was trying to make is it is like unlike most years under Monty and Chris Paul, it doesn't feel like we've had this many of these horrible, horrible losses, but they've lost so many guys to injury, obviously. Um, the question now is what you know, what's next for the Suns? It's a road trip. It starts on Friday. The trade deadline is coming up on Thursday. There's a very real chance that last night was the last game some of these guys are going to play at Footprint Center as a member of the Suns. I, I don't know who. I don't know how many of them. I would look what? at the expiring contracts. Anybody's got We talked to Dario Saric when we had him on the show last week. I mean, when you have an expiring contract and you're not a vital part of the team, you're just a role player, even though Dario's played well at times, you're expendable. I mean, if they can get a better player, they'll include you. What a lot of teams want back, if they're trading you a good player, they want expiring contracts back in draft picks. Now, if you can give them a young player, great, but the Suns don't really have that. They're not in a category where they have a really, you know, a young player not making any money that they can trade, right? I mean, uh, nobody's calling and saying, I want Ish Wainwright or I want Sabin Lee or the Suns, you know, they, 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 they traded the kid to, uh, 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 sticks to Indiana and then last year. The, so they haven't had the pick and they've traded the pick. So I think that the Suns don't have that young player a team would want. So what you want back from the Suns is expiring contracts and, and draft capital. Yeah, and the draft capital is, you sent me, was an NBA mock draft today? And what were the Suns picking? 14th, 14th yes. 14th in that draft? That's why, like, this year's, like, it, if, if you're making a trade with the Suns, this is the year to do it because you, you'll get a better pick than you will probably get next year and the year after and the year after. Yes. 
Yeah, because yeah. if you if you trade if the right now I was looking at a mock draft uh, that was a Bleacher Report, and they had the Suns taking Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State, a freshman shooting guard at number fourteen. Number fourteen's not a bad pick. I mean, it's better than picking twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. You know, so I do think that. If you do trade your first-round pick this year, it might be more enticing to a team because it seems like it's going to be a much better pick than it normally would be. Yeah, I'll buy that. I, I mean, I, I because for me, the draft picks are... Now, look, at, at some point, the the Suns are going to have to use them. I mean, you would think, but you know what? That Not every team does. Not every, some, some teams look at draft capital as you know picks to be able to make their team younger and, and more sustainable. Some teams look at draft picks as just a means to acquire talent. It certainly would seem as if the fun, the Suns fall in the ladder of that category. I, 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 I still think they're in that mode where they have to use those picks to find their next great players, their next great player to team up. And I would agree with you that, that where the Suns are in the standings, that as long as they put some reasonable protections on it just to make sure they don't do anything crazy and go out and win the lottery or anything, I think this is a good year to try to get the Suns' first-round pick because it's not going to be a bad pick. It's it's going to no. be, you know, depending on where they end up, very fringe lottery and, and maybe some odds of moving up in that one. It's not going to be a bad deal at all. No, and that's why I think that that is. Now, listen, you may look at it if you're Phoenix and say, you know, we're going to be way, way, way over the cap. And you need that type of, you know, a cheaper player on those those contracts, those first and second round picks. They're, you know, they're not getting what veterans are getting. OK, so that there is a there is a plus to that, too. If you keep those picks and you use it on players that are young and you could develop, they, they you know they take up the end of your roster and you're not paying them what a veteran would get. And, and at some point, they're going to have to do that. And and there is a point where you reach where if you look around at some of the other teams in the NBA, and I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the Golden State Warriors, but I know there are others, where, you know, the, the, the talent that they find in the late first round, the second round, ends up being very usable talent, very cheap talent. And for as good as James Jones has been at finding kind of the Josh Kogies of the world or the Jock Landales of the world or whatever, they haven't really used that part of their, you know, their arsenal. The, the second round pick, finding the gem, yeah. using him on your bench, paying him next to nothing and getting everything you can out of him. That's really not been a part of James Jones's arsenal as general manager, and it might be time to start using that a little bit if you're James when it comes to the draft. Because if you can do it right, you can find good, young, cheap talent back sure, there. Sure. You just got to scout it well. Yeah, now last year they didn't have the first round pick because that was part of the Chris Paul trade where Oklahoma City had that pick. And they didn't have this second round pick. And if I remember correctly, it was the Tory Craig trade where they got Tory Craig from Indiana. They gave up a second round pick in Jalen Smith and that to get Tory Craig back. So that's why last year they didn't have a first round pick or a second round pick. Yeah. Yep. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, we inch closer to the end of the NFL season. The draft is not too far away. Trying to figure out what the Cardinals are going to do at number three. Depends on who you ask. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.
Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, let's send it back to the auction community studios. Eric Ruby is saying, I say send it back. I'm the only one who's not there. I'm still working from home and will be again until tomorrow. So I don't know why I keep putting it like that. I've got the next great poll question. Wow. What is your favorite brand of Girl Scout cookies? That might be an open-ended one. Lauren, jump in. These... Hands down, those. These right so here? Samoas? No question yeah. asked. Hey, guys, this is radio, not TV. What are we talking about here? We're Samuel, talking about Samoas, Samoas the Samoas. best Girl Scout cookie out there. Yeah, you can have one. If you want to come in, I will get. I will share my Samoa cookies with you. But, you know, now these kids, they sell them everywhere. You drive around the block and the parents got the kids outside and it's 30 degrees out and they're selling Girl Scout cookies. You just stop That's on your way grind. home. It's the grind, Gambo. It's you got to yeah. get it done. Yeah, they're, every, they're everywhere. I mean, it used to be just at the supermarkets, but now, like, they're in the neighborhood, like, around the block. So my wife got a whole bunch of cookies and I, I had one last night. I just had one, but my favorites are the Samoas. Uh, the, the, what's the one with the chocolate and the peanut butter? Tagalongs? Oh, I'm a big Tagalong guy. Those I'm might big, be number two. Yeah. I'm a big Tagalong This guy. might be a, a solid poll question, Eric. What are you? What is your favorite? Because this is the time when they were all selling Girl Scout cookies. Oh, yeah. And I always everyone. hate, I like honestly, I always hate them because I do like them and I don't want to eat them. But then yeah. when it's sitting there staring in your face, you're like... Right. Well, especially that sleeve of Thin Mints. I mean, honestly, you. how easy is it to just sit there and eat a whole sleeve of Thin Mints? I've got a guy, Carlos, I work out with at the gym. He eats, he eats a box at a time. I just, he just, keeps talking about, like, I can't believe I just ate a box of Thin Mints last night. Just stop eating them! But Sorry, this is you, the real question. Do the Thin Mints go in the freezer yes, or in yes, the cabinet? Yes, no, they go in the freezer. Freezer. They go in the freezer. And then when you pull them out of the freezer and you, you click them together, they sound like poker chips. Like you're at the blackjack table or something, right? You just kind of, like, you just, you, one by one, you eat them and then you get rid of that whole sleeve and you think to yourself, I will say this. What a waste of time. I just ate an entire sleeve of Girl Scout cookies. I think they've shrunk to the Samoas. They're not as big Uh-oh. as they used to be. Oh. I do think that they shrunk to the Samoas. Wow. Profit margin, Gambo. Profit I know. margin. I know. I know. Yeah, Less cookie. They're, they're, mm. they're, trying to, they're, they're trying to make a profit right there. It's the Girl Scouts of America. You know, they got to they gotta make some money. You got to make some money. Indeed. Let's weigh in on our top story. Or not our top story today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, whoa, what time is it? Hey, it's not 2 o'clock. It's 4.30. Let's update our Twitter poll question. All this talk of Girl Scout cookies is throwing me off my game. Uh, Eric, what? hit the thing for Eric. What's the thing? Hit it. There you go. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update. Presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Rubes, what you got for us? I got one last thing to keep us off track. I have to play this. I don't know when I else, when else I could. I have never felt like an older, crustier piece of toast than I do right now. I don't know when I could have played that in right context, but I, I had to put that out there. That might be the funniest thing you've ever said, Bernsey. Wow. Well, that's great. <laughs> me, me comparing myself to an old crusty piece of toast is the funniest thing I've ever done. Mm. Well, you're, you know what? You're welcome. That's all Thank I can you. say. Thank you. It's a good drop, but your, that's not the poll De- question. Devin, Devin Booker not knowing who Pete Rose was when Kellen asked him about rounding third made me feel like a crusty old piece of toast. Right, yes. but Kellen knows who he is. Hey, there's that. There's He's just not a baseball fan. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. But yeah, it made me feel really old. <laughs> he is yeah. pretty good at basketball, though. He had an incredible season. He's actually the topic of our poll question because before he went down with injury, he was on fire, leading the Suns team to be way better than they are without him. But without him, they've been for a long, long time. Is he all-star worthy this year? Yes or no? No. Missed too many games. 
I've in years past when I've argued for Devin Booker to be an All Star, one of the reasons I argued for him was other guys he was being compared to. I would say you can't put him, and he's hurt. You can't put him; he's missed too many games. I don't want to be a hypocrite and and have that argument and say, well, it doesn't apply to Devin Booker. It does. I, I think he's missed too many games. He's been out of sight and out of mind too long. I, I he's not going to get in. I don't think he should get in. I'm fine if he doesn't. This one a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Only fifty four point seven percent say yes. 45.3% say no. That means no actually gained a little traction in the last two hours. Usually when listeners, when fans of the Suns vote, it's a lot more skewed towards the positive. We used to get so wrapped up in Devin Booker, All-Star, Devin Booker this, Devin Booker that. I, I, I feel like that ship has just sailed. Like like it's not, you know, it, because, because it's happened, because he was on the cover of the video game, because he was all NBA first team last year, because he finished fourth in the NBA in voting. I, I, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm misreading the putt when it comes to how Phoenix Suns fans feel. I, I I feel like Devin Booker is now getting the proper amount of respect that he is owed for what he's doing, and we no longer need to look to things like this as a gauge as to whether he's being respected or not. I, I feel like we're done with that. Yes, there's no question, because we always talked about him being a perennial all-star and that he was going to get there. You know, you want to get that first one out of the way and then the second one, but eventually you get to the point where you're so respected as a player, you're going to make it every single year, fan voting or not. I think Booker's at that point. It was just he got derailed by the injuries. I mean, he'll go back to being an all-star next year and the year after, and the reason why is because he's elevated his game to being a top-ten player, and the Suns won. You know, with winning comes the accolades. It's hard to get the respect when your team's winning 20 four games a year to sit there and say, oh, you should be an all-star. But once the Sun started to win and get that respect, well, then he started to really, you know, become a better player. And then all of a sudden he was top 25 and then top top 20. And now, now he's right around top 10, 11. So, you know, he has that respect. He'll be in the all-star game many, many more times in his career. This year's just got, you know, the, the injuries have kind of cut the amount of games he's played short and he shouldn't get in because of that. Another mock draft has landed on our doorstep. Draft in the NFL, obviously a lot's going to happen. The Cardinals will have to hire a coach, for goodness sakes, before the draft. In the, in the National Football League. But we will continue to pay extra close attention to mock drafts that we feel like on Burns and Gambo uh, are the best-case scenario for the Cardinals. And we got another one. Now, Gambo, I'm not exactly sure where you got this one from. This was the 33rd, the 33rd team. Okay, this is the 33rd team. Is that team what it is? Draft. Yeah, 33rd okay. team. Um, I didn't, and yeah, my fault for not putting a link. Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. I just, I just didn't know what the source was on yes. it. In it, they've got the Arizona Cardinals, and this is the dream scenario for us. Executing a trade specifically with the Indianapolis Colts, where the Colts, who are at number four, move up to number three to get a quarterback, and the Cardinals drop down one spot and get extra inventory to do it to still take one of those two defensive studs. In this case, it's the edge rusher Alabama, Will Anderson. That is the dream scenario. Now, they they have the Jalen Carter going number one. And then they have C.J. Stroud, too. And then uh, Indianapolis moving up to three to get Will Levis. And then Arizona moving back to one spot. Uh, and then Seattle still getting a quarterback, Bryce Young, at number five. So Seattle stays Seattle um, stays where they are with the Denver pick. And they end up with Bryce Young, the quarterback out of, out of Alabama. That was interesting. Now, a lot of the, the other interesting thing about this draft is they did have the Jets trading their number one overall pick to get Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay. So it was 
an interesting mock draft. They're good to look at. They're fun to look at. Just remember this. The majority of the mock drafts, these guys are going to get somewhere between five and seven correct. Somebody, oh, sure. somebody might hit eight or nine, but most likely, even the best of the best are, are only getting six, seven, or eight of these things right. But- but that doesn't interest me that much. What interests me the most is is the, the scenario where the Cardinals is just win win all around, right? Where where they can, and, and and I think there's there's so many paths for this to take, you know, mock drafts or not. I'll just be curious to see how many people mock it, how many people suggest that it could happen, um, because I think the Cardinals are in a very unique position where they truly can really just win this thing, and you know whether that's Chicago staying at number one and taking a defensive player or Chicago trading out, but there's demand for three quarterbacks and somebody wants to move up to number three to get one because they, they want to make sure they get their guy. I, I think that, look, I'm telling you, every mock draft from now until when the draft actually happens, that's going to be the first thing I'm going to look for is what happens in front of them, what happens with those three, those two spots in front of them, and do the Cardinals have an opportunity to move down just one spot Spot and still get a great defensive player and get an extra second rounder or whatever it is to do that. It's it's just the dream. It's absolutely the dream. It, it, it couldn't get any better. Because that, there was a mock draft I sent you yesterday. We didn't talk about it. But it had the Cardinals dropping back to number nine and getting a cornerback. And, oh, that's... Listen, I understand you know what you can get in the extra picks, but getting yourself away from one of the top defensive linemen a, a, you know, or, or even a top offensive lineman, they need a cornerback, right? But I'd almost be like, right now I'm thinking, God, I want some beef, you know? Where's the beef? Like, I don't want a cornerback in the first round. Go get me a cornerback in the second round or the third round. But I don't want a cornerback in the first round. But one of the mock drafts I sent you yesterday was an interesting one, and it did have them moving back to... Uh, number nine in the draft and and taking a corner. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on this Thursday, well, first of all, let me remind you that the big game weekend's most exclusive event, Sports Illustrated's The Party, is headed to Arizona on Saturday, February 11th, featuring performances by Machine Gun Kelly and the Chainsmokers. Limited tickets are available. You can win a pair now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Well, we had to move his appearance back a little bit there in the middle of their all-star break. We will still enjoy our conversation with Coyotes General Manager Bill Armstrong. He's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with a decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Coyotes in the middle of their all-star break right now, and they are not back at it until Monday, February 6th, when they host Minnesota. That being said, it's always a pleasure to welcome in their general manager, Bill Armstrong, who joins us on the Arizona Sports Line for our weekly visit with a Coyotes front office insider. Bill, welcome back to the show. How's the break treating you so far? Well, pretty good. Pretty good. I was supposed to be on with you guys a little bit earlier, but I went for a walk. And I noticed I didn't have any bars in my phone. Oh, man. <laughs> That's okay. We're yeah. always ready to accommodate you, my friend. We're always ready. I thought maybe you were trading one of your kids, working on a big deal, and you know, trying to get some talent in here and, and giving up some family members. But if that's not the case, we're okay. 
Well, you, you have to go for walks. When you're a GM, you have to have good walks. They have thinking. You know, you need a lot of thinking time, uh, you know, just to get things straight in your head. So uh, when I went for my walk, I went to hop on with you guys. I looked down, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you walked so far, you didn't know where you were. Pretty much. There was a lot, a lot of thinking going on. <laughs> yeah. let, let, let's start off with just just your thoughts on, on the first half of the season. It was very challenging. You guys started off on the road. You barely had any home games for two months, just four of them, and then back on the road. Just give me your thoughts overall on how the team fared the first half of the season. Yeah, we made it through that road trip, probably one of the most grueling road trips I've, I've been a part of. Um, you know, the team just fought. We, we kind of stayed in it, and I was really excited uh, just about you know, how we came out of that, that, that road trip and we got back into our, our building. And we, we, we found some, some really, really good uh, games at home where we were able to kind of win and uh, really kind of just, you know, compete hard. I, I, I think there's something in Mullet that gives us a little advantage. Sure. Um, it's, it's just a special place to play for us. So, I think the guys are excited to come home, and, and we played so well there, and uh, we've made games real tough in our barn. So it's been that, that part of the, uh, the first part of the season has been really good. We went through a down stretch where we just couldn't get a win. Uh, that was frustrating for the group, but for for over for, for most part, we were in a good spot here. Um, we've got a lot of our young guys like Gunther and the Mosers of the world, and Mitch Malcolm and McBain's, and uh, some really Indian Michellis of the world, really you know, uh, had a really good start to the season. So that's been a very positive. I think the other thing you look at, too, is culture, right? I mean, it's important to have the draft capital that you have to be able to build and, and get the quality talent that you need in here to win consistently. Everybody knows what the game plan is, but the players don't care about the kids that are coming in next year and the year after and how far they are. The players want to win hockey games, and you know, you're know you seeing that. You're seeing the team go out and battle every night and win some games, and that's important, too, even for the younger kids that are going to be a part of your future, just to see... You know, not to have a losing culture because you know losing that, that you, you don't want to get accustomed to that too much. It beats an organization down. Yeah, well, it's, it's a great point by you. It's that we talk about it every day about not losing the room. You know, staying competitive and keep keep growing as an organization. And and it's the biggest thing for us is, is to make sure that as we go through this process of the rebuild that we fight every single night. You know, it starts in practice. It starts in pregame skates. It starts every time they get to the rink and growing that culture. I think our coaches have done an outstanding job of that. Our leadership group has also done an outstanding job of keeping that group focused and no excuses. And, and we're in the majority of games because of that. Um, and I like the way that we fight uh, every single night we're in it. Um, and that's due to the culture that we're growing uh, with this organization. So, I agree with you. It's a very important piece, and even though you're going through the rebuild, you don't want to lose that. Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Coyotes, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Update the audience, if you will, on the status of Shane Gospahair, how he's doing after the injury, and how that injury impacts what, if any, decision you might have to make on him with the trade deadline coming up in, what, about a month or so, Bill? Yeah, we got a month, we're a month away from from the deadline, and uh, Ghost has played extremely well for us. He jammed his elbow. He's got a sprain. He's got a little sprain going on in there, but he's, he's been remarkably uh, healed. You know, really, really quickly so far in the process. So um, hopefully, he's back before the deadline. Um, I think he will be. He's got a chance to uh, make that next step in with his rehab, and and hopefully he'll be he'll be in before the. Uh, 
the deadline occurs. But uh, he's, he's so, we miss him. He's been somebody that's been consistent offensive threat since the day he got here, and he's uh, he's a big chunk of our offense out. And uh, when he's in the lineup, he certainly makes a difference. It's always said that deadlines kind of spur action, and, and when you get back from the All Star break, is that is that kind of the unofficial launching point for the trade deadline and for the conversations to really start get pointed, or does it really start to happen a week before the deadline, three or four days before the deadline? Well, every GM sets off to get it done about a month before the uh, <laughs> before the deadline, and prices are way too high at that point. So it usually drags up, you know, right to the end, and about a week between about a week away, it starts to get really, really serious. But nobody's ready to make a decision, and prices are high right now, so nobody can settle. Um, so usually it happens in the last week uh, before the deadline or right up to the deadline. You know, I, I I just go back to all these trades. I remember when the Islanders traded for Butch Goring. I remember when they traded for Pierre Turgeon, that big trade with Buffalo. And Bo Horvat, the Canucks just really, really struggling. Um, you know, and obviously they hire uh, your former coach, Rick Tockett, to take things over with the struggles they've had. Yeah. They move Bo Horvat. Big trade. They get, you know, they get a first round pick back, lottery protected. They get a good prospect. They get a top six forward. Just the thoughts on a trade getting done a little bit earlier than the trade deadline. Well, they, they really kind of surprised, I think, the world of hockey with getting that trade done as early as they did. Um, Jimmy Rutherford, you know, and Patrick Alvin in Vancouver locked into it. Lou wanted to get it done. Um, I think Lou had some, uh, some aspirations in the summer of getting some pieces and wasn't able to do it. Uh, he was honed in on getting that done and he got it done and, uh, you know, Lou's been a GM for a lot of years. When he wants something, he goes out and gets it. Uh, so I, I thought it was a, it was a pretty good trade for both clubs. Uh, I think it works for both of them, and uh, I know the Islanders are happy to get it done uh, earlier. I, I'm always a big fan of you know if you're going to bring a piece in, that piece is going to be on the power play and, and play a, a huge role and be a part of your core. The earlier you can do it, the better off you are. Lots of lots of trades, you know, you know, happen when you know when you can improve your team. But how far away do you think you are from? And I'm not saying to go get a Horvat or to go get a Kachuk, but sometimes there are trades where you can, you know, you can give up a good player but get a good player back that could be a part of your core for a number of years. How far off do you think the organization is from making trades like that? Well, we're we're two years off for doing that. We've, you know, obviously we've. Put a lot of picks in the bank um, in, in those upcoming drafts where we can go to the, you know, we can uh, we can be at the draft and go buy a player. Um, so we'll see what's available at the time. But I would I would say right now the way the planning's going, it's about two years out from doing that. Um, those would be good days when we can <laughs> when right. we get there and we can start adding some players that can be some four pieces. But um, I, I like where we're at with the amount of assets that we have to go out and chase players and. And, you know, two years from now, uh, go and buy a player. I think that will be a turning point for our organization. And, uh, it, you know, it'll come sooner than later. But for us, it's about two years out. Gambo asked you a question earlier about kind of your thoughts at what is basically the midway point of the season with the All-Star break. What, what, what are your thoughts about Dylan and how this year has gone for him so far with you guys? Good. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting being a rookie, you know, and he's – He's uh, he, if you give him time and space, you know he's he's really shown that he can he can be an NHL player. Um, his biggest battles is when the big guys are leaning on him and the men, you know, are leaning on him. It's it's hard to get away. It's, it's hard to steal pucks. It's hard to get to the dirty areas. 
if uh, the, the one thing that you notice about him, especially in practice, you know, our goaltender's got a tough time keeping up to a shot. Um, he has an elite relief. Um, when he gets some time and space on the power play, you can really see it come out. He's still got some growth in that area. He's going to have to do a lot of work and, and gain some strength in the summer. But he has shown really good flashes this year uh, of what he he's going to look like in the future. Yeah, Bill, we appreciate uh, the time as always. Thank you for carving out a few minutes, especially during the break. Sorry if we uh, mess with your your thought clearing walk in any way. We wouldn't we wouldn't want to mess with the flow, you know. So we apologize uh, for that. Um, best hey, of luck. Well, thank, thank you guys very much. Absolutely, thanks, Bill. You got it. We'll talk to you soon, Bill Armstrong, the general manager of the Coyotes. Our guest here on the Burns in Gambo show. When we come back, we go into the five o'clock hour. We got a few little morsels of. Information information today regarding the Cardinals coaching search, wondering if any of these guys will be the next head coach of the Cardinals. We'll talk about that next on Burns and Gambo.